look at this. I got myself something new and I can carry it with one arm. Gone are the days of relying on someone else to help me carry the pulpit, but thank you. You know, genuinely, I couldn't have done it without those of you who have helped me carry it over the past couple of years. But, you know, something new, so that's quite exciting. So this week we're carrying on from what we talked about last week. So I'll give you a little recap as we begin for those of you who might not have been here. So last week we talked about our big it's or somethings. We talked about the problems and the issues and the frustrations that we have that work our way into our lives and quickly become these big it's or somethings that rob our attention every chance we get. And we considered these it's or somethings, and we considered how we might go about solving them. And I shared with you how I hold these business meetings with God, which despite being well thought out, they never really bring me much success or go very far to actually solving anything for me. So we turned to a far more reliable source, which was the Bible, and we looked to see what Paul had to say in Ephesians, which he had written about whilst dealing with his own quite large problem or big it, which was being in prison. And we found that in the midst of his prison time, Paul wrote this incredible doxology, this declaration of praise to God in Ephesians 3 verses 20 and 21, which says... Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And last week we focused just on the first half of that, just on verse 20. When it comes to dealing with our it's or our somethings, Paul suggests taking action now because God is ready for us. And he suggests that we turn our focus to the Lord, to God, because he is where our help comes from. And then he brings his qualifier, the reason why these first two suggestions are just so good, because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think. Last week, we looked at this incredible declaration that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. And that God, that is the one that we put our faith in. And then we considered how our big it's or our big somethings might stand up when we hold them alongside a truth as bold as that. So today we're going to look at the rest of this doxology, at the rest of this declaration of praise, and we shall see what further insight Paul has for us. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that as we look again to this small portion of text, that you would open our minds and our hearts. Let us hear from you afresh, God. Let us know more deeply how much you are able to do, how great you are, and how your ability goes exceedingly beyond all that we can think or ask. 
Lord God, be with us this morning and speak to us, we pray. Amen. Right, quick changeover. Oh, that sounds much better already. There we go. Um, so do you guys know anyone who might be really good at something but just doesn't really do anything about it? They refuse to kind of harness their ability or their potential and actually use it. Like, I know this young guy, he's about 21 or so, and he doesn't yet have a driver's license. I think he might have a learner's license. Um, he probably got it when he was 16 and he first could, but he's never progressed along the driver's license path to the point where now he could have a full license and probably be able to teach others how to drive. And I mean, that's okay. Not everyone has to drive. In fact, it would probably be so much better for our planet if we didn't all drive. But the thing about this guy who doesn't have a driver's license is that he's already a really, really excellent driver. Before I turned 15 and I could get my driver's license, I was so ready to learn to drive. You know, we lived in the country and I was like, man, the places I can go with a license... Um, it was also just really cool to be able to drive as well. And I also really wanted like the driver's license with my little photo on it. And that was before I knew that all of those photos are just guaranteed to be bad. But then I turned 15 and I got kind of nervous and a bit scared. And I didn't want to have to face the pressure of actually learning to drive. And so I thought, well, if I just don't get my license at all, then I won't have to even bother with it. And so I thought that was quite a good solution. What I'd been so excited for and so ready for, I was just like, oh, too much when I got there. But of course, I had some very gentle or strong encouragement from my family, and I gave in and had to get my license after about three months or so. And so I went and I did the test and I passed it and I got my license and I began learning to drive and I got the little plastic license and discovered I looked terrible on it, even though I'd tried really hard, I think, on that day, you know, to dress well. But anyway, I progressed with the learning to drive process and I made it through only one reset along the way and I got my full license. So, you know, I can, I can empathise with those who might be a little bit weary of learning to drive um, because it's certainly not always fun. I remember driving, having to drive the family to church on a Sunday and it almost always involves some sort of like near-death experience with gasping and yelling and grabbing the wheel and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's certainly not always fun or easy. But the thing about this guy, this friend, is that he actually knows how to drive. He's already an excellent driver. His dad is into cars, and they go up to the Hamptons Down Raceway, and they race around on the track there. And so he can drive these fancy and fast cars, and he can drive them well. So he actually has to have some sort of like club license or has permission to drive on the track, but turns out you don't need an actual license to do that. But he has the ability to drive these fancy cars at wildly high speeds, and he can do it relatively safely, I assume. But he's just never bothered with a regular license that could let him drive to work or drive to uni. And so at the moment, he either has his mum and dad pick him up or drop him off, he goes on the bus, or sometimes his younger sister has to drive him places. 
And all of us who drive, who know him, we're like, oh, just get your license. You know, you won't imagine what you can do with it. You won't have to do that and you'll be able to do this. And he's just like, oh, yeah, but it's all right. And he does it. He just doesn't really care. And so if I'm to pick up where we left off last week, I find myself at the part of this doxology that says, according to the power that works in us. All of verse 20 reads, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And now when I look at this guy who's happy enough not driving, and I think my frustrated thoughts to myself, like, oh, if only he knew the places he could go, I can't help but think maybe this no-license young man, this no-license scenario could be likened to how we walk with God in our day-to-day. Here's a young man with bucket loads of ability and potential, and it's not even like that is hidden from him because he drives on the track. He knows that he can do it. But when it comes to the everyday, he shrugs his shoulders and is like, oh, I'm happy with this. I'm happy with getting a ride or getting the bus. And here we are, after unpacking all that this means for God to be exceedingly, abundantly able to do beyond what we could ask or think. We know that God has oodles of ability, more than we could even imagine, and we're told that that ability is according to the power that works in us, which suggests that maybe we possess this power that makes God's ability so exceedingly abundant. And I can't speak for you all to say what your response is, but maybe there are some hearts that are saying, oh, well, that's nice, but um, where was I? Here we are, aware of God's incredible ability, aware of his immense power, and told very directly that that same power lives in us, dwells in us. But how often do we choose just not to get a driver's license? How often do we choose just not to engage with that power? Because, well, we shrug and we say, oh, I'm happy with the lot I've got. We're comfortable, we're content. It is what it is, and you know, that's okay for now. And those who have been there those who have gone there with God, who have engaged with that power within them and progressed along that path with God, they look back at us wanting to tear their hair out, saying, oh, if only you knew. They see the places that we could go. And just like we say to the driver who has no license, they say to us, if only you knew what you could achieve. And this is Paul's fourth and final pearl of wisdom for us, for dealing with our big it's or somethings. That we need to recognize that this power, God's power, works within us, dwells within us. And we need to acknowledge it, engage with it, and live in it. Earlier in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul wrote about this power that is given to us or that is within us. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, he says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own 
by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And then in verse 19 and 20, Paul goes on, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor in God's, at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. When you believed in Jesus, the moment you professed your faith, claimed Jesus as your own, Christ claimed you as his own, and he gave you the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, which had been promised from years ago. You received the Spirit, the Spirit of the me, almighty God, and now it dwells within you, works within you, and you carry it within you. Do you know how much power that spirit has? Well, I mean, how do we as humans begin to even understand what that spirit within us has the power to do? And we can start with this by knowing that the spirit within us, God's power within us, is the same mighty power that rose Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand. That is the power that exists in us, spirit-breathing, life-giving, body-raising power, dwelling in you and I and working through us. Yet we still come to God with our very human-sized requests. Last week when we talked about dealing with our its or somethings, we talked about giving God little tasks to do. We talked about knowing that God could deliver this, but asking him instead to just deliver this for our simple sakes, really. We talked about the way that we limit God's ability to the bounds of our own humanness, to our own ability, and how in doing so, our expectations and our requests of God do nothing to build our faith or to inspire faith, nor do they even require faith. Because our requests and our expectations are no more than we could expect just ourselves or any other human to do. God dished out to his sin-tarnished children his spirit and power that can genuinely raise people from the dead. And in return, we dish out these human-sized jobs to the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. What use is it for a young man to be able to drive very well, but to not pursue a driver's license so he can actually drive? What use is it for a person to be filled with the holy, all-powerful spirit of God but to not pursue a life that acknowledges and seeks to live in that spirit so that they might see its full potential realized. The young man, well, he can just read the road code, book a test, get his license, learn to drive, and make the most of his ability. But what can we do to make the most of our spirit-filledness? How do we realize the full potential of God's power that dwells and works within us. 
And the answer to that, it came with last week's insights. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Paul suggests take action now. God is ready. Turn to him, to God, to your Lord, for he is where our help comes from. And we can do that because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. The way that we tap into or plug into God's power within us is by continuously doing this, continuously turning to God, coming to him, listening for his voice, looking for the gentle guidance of his spirit, and being bold and obedient when we hear him speak. The more we seek to live in the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, the more we will recognize, learn to recognize the Spirit's work. The more we will see of God's power being exerted throughout our life. And we will grow in understanding and expectation of what God can do. It's a little bit like getting your driver's license. And the more you do it, the more familiar it will become, the safer it feels, and the more exciting new places you can travel to. And whilst that doesn't mean that getting over that initial hurdle of just doing it is any easier or less scary, learning to drive or learning to live in the spirit are just like most things. You just don't know the wonders until you try. And we're fortunate that when it comes to living in the Spirit, we can be fairly confident even in our first try because we're coming in according to the power of the one who raised the dead, the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. So that brings us to verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And at first reading, I was kind of like, oh, that's just formalities. But tucked in here amongst what looks like just formalities is something so important that if we were to miss or to overlook it, we'd be doing ourselves a huge disservice. Now, just funnily enough, at the moment, there's a pop song that is wildly popular, and it's called Driver's License, which is quite good. Um, And in the song, the girl sings about getting her driver's license and about being excited to share it with people, or one person in particular, but they're not there to hear about it. And so, you know, it's a It's a heartbreak song, but this girl, she's made a killing of it. It's broken records all over the show. And now she's got the whole world interested in her getting her license, so she's done well. But this this song does relate. This is the part that we miss if we skip over verse 21 as mere formalities. Because nowhere else in any other doxology in Scripture does it explicitly mention that glory will be to God in the church. It's implied elsewhere simply because Christians are the ones who will give the glory. But nowhere else does it mention the glory will be to God in the church. What happens 
to the excitement of getting your license if you've got no one else there to share it with? And what happens to the excitement and wonder of seeing God's incredible ability work in your life if there's no one around to share it with? Just because you might not be able to share it doesn't mean that its immediate impact in your own life will be lessened. But when there's no one there to share it with, the outgoing impact, the ripple effect of what's happened is just stopped in its tracks. Paul purposely added the in the church part to this verse. He didn't just do it as an oversight or for fun. Paul says glory will be to God in the church because he saw the impact that testimony could have when it's shared amongst the body of believers. The purpose of church, the purpose of us gathering here together on a Sunday is first and foremost to come and be with God, to worship God, to offer praise to God, to exalt God and to bring him honor and glory. That is the primary reason why we gather. And as we gather and as we sing and proclaim and worship and testify and give praise, the way that that ripples out and impacts and explodes in the lives of others is an effect that we don't always get to see. But it's an effect that we will never see if we don't make the most of this opportunity to share. The God of the universe, the one who is exceedingly abundant and abundantly able, invites us to be a part of his grand plans. He invites us, the ones with the big it's or somethings, the ones with the problems and the issues that we can't solve, the ones who downsize God's ability to our human-sized plans, We're the ones who neglect to recognize the power of God that lives in us. We are the ones, us, we are the ones called to testify, to proclaim, to sing, and to worship. We are invited into God's grand plan and are asked to bring glory and honor as a part of that. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We are called to come together, to share our faith together, walk together and testify, cry out. Let those cries travel and be heard far and far afield. Let God be glorified in the church. Let God be glorified in the life, death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Let God be glorified throughout all generations. Let God be glorified forever and ever. Let God be glorified. Amen. Now to him, who to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. According to the power that God has gifted us. According to the spirit that God has gifted us, that works in us and dwells in us, to him, our God who is able, be glory in the church. Let us sing, let us praise, let us proclaim, let us testify together. 
And to him be glory in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, our Father, we acknowledge that we and every other person has his or her origin in you. We owe you our lives. Forgive us for the arrogance of thinking we are better or more important than other people. Let your spirit work in us to strengthen us. We want your spirit to merge with ours. Make the presence of Christ so real that we sense your love and live from your love. Help us understand how deep your love is so that it changes us into your very image. You who are all-powerful, beyond anything we conceive, we praise you. Every accolade of worth we throw at your feet. You alone are God. From your worth, all other worth is determined. For the gift of life in Christ, we and all your people worship you. Together and forever, we will sing your praise. Amen.